0: Welcome to the Ageless
1: Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hello and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. I'm your host, Michael Benner. Thanks for being with us as we record an episode in the midst of a pandemic. Currently, as we record this, it's mid-March of 2020 and anxiety is high around the world. So... I'm sure it helps if those of us who work in the field of stress management and self-awareness provide information that is specific to the way everybody's feeling, which is not only a lot of worry and anxiety and stress and fear, but a lack of control and a lot of confusion and uncertainty. And I think that pretty much sums it up. So, the podcasts that we provide to you in the coming weeks are going to have a focus in this area. And little by little, we'll expand back into, as we've always done, programs that go beyond personal development to the implications to our spiritual growth. After all, looking at the upside, the silver lining, or the benefits of adversity, is a basic wisdom concept, and we should not overlook that. I think it really is helpful if we look at this whole virus and the challenges that it represents as an opportunity to understand ourselves better, to improve our ability to empathize, to trust each other, respect each other, love each other and promote our growth, our overall uh, evolution, if you will. Or we could talk about ascension or redemption or refinement or spiritual advancement, if you prefer any of those terms. What we have for you in this episode is another interview of me, this one by a woman named Christine Blasdale, who I worked with in radio for a number of years at KPFK-FM in Los Angeles. Christine does a podcast called Out of the Box. It's available on YouTube. It's a video podcast as well. Since the 400 and some podcasts that we've posted here in the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School are solo efforts, I think... Having available a program every once in a while where I am interviewed by someone else takes us to places that I might not have gone, and in that way brings out information that either I haven't mentioned or expands on information in new ways. So, I like doing these, and I won't post every podcast where I'm interviewed by someone else in this stream. But uh, the good ones, the ones I really like, I will. Okay. Remember also, you can always schedule a free, private, one-on-one session by telephone or Skype with me at my primary website, michaelbenner.com. Michael is spelled the common way, A-E-L, and Benner is B-like boy, E-N-N e r michaelbenner.com big red button on the splash page with fireworks going off on it just click on that and you'll be able to access my online calendar and from the times available schedule a time that works for you you'll get an email confirmation a reminder the day before and again no charge whatsoever and really no obligation to book anything after that. Why don't you just check it out? Especially if you're dealing with anxiety that's been difficult for you to control in these these scary times. So here's Christine Plausdale's out of the box featuring an interview with me about the nature of fear, my book, Fearless Intelligence stress, anxiety, and worry. Sure, you'll enjoy it. Thanks very much for being with us and be safe. Wash your hands.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Out of the Box with Christine. I am your host, Christine Blasdale, and... Thank you for joining us today. The timing couldn't be better about the subject and my guest. Oh my goodness. I feel like it's a reunion of soul, a soul family reunion. Uh, My guest is Michael Benner and he's best known for his popular talk radio programs in Los Angeles. As a matter of fact, we met through KPFK in Los Angeles and he had still people talk about your show, Michael, but, uh, And I would love to get you back, but that's another topic. He's the author of fearless intelligence, the extraordinary wisdom of awareness available in paperback and ebook formats. We'll have a link to that as well in the show. And after 20 years as a broadcast journalist, Michael launched a private practice called personal development strategies, and he teaches self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and critical thinking. His services are typically offered to business teams and executives in addition to public seminars, webinars, podcasts, and yes, even the occasional Hawaiian retreat, which I love that idea. I wanna welcome to Out of the Box with Christine, Michael Benner.
1: Thank you. Christine, it's so nice to see you again.
0: Oh, I just got like all (laughs) teary-eyed.
1: Oh, sweet. I've missed you, I've missed KPFK. I always said I'd never retire and yet I'm pretty much retired (laughs) so it's a uh, an odd feeling I still do some clients by phone and I've been uh, responding to a few podcast requests having written the book but I miss the daily LA buzz and the excitement and the concerts and you know just walking down the street and uh, wherever it happened to be Hollywood, Burbank, Pasadena, the Valley. Uh, But I'm so happy to be with you today. Thanks.
0: Well, and as people can tell with your magnificent voice, you're a producer's dream (laughs) because it's that big, I wish I had that voice sometimes that very deep (laughs) bassy voice. But yes, uh, so many people in Los Angeles um, uh, recognize your voice and And most of all your heart and when you uh when you talk to people and i know with your clients now you come from this beautiful space that i I know personally is your it's your passion to help people uh who are struggling us human beings we put a lot of boy we really complicate things sometimes and we're struggling so much with just the day-to-day so on behalf of everybody that you've helped over the years and inspired I want to thank you so much and oh, uh, and thank, thank you, you for, for coming and, and and being on the show and having our listeners learn about you as well so thank you so much
1: yeah well thank you you know um, it really is a privilege I think to be able to help other people uh, sometimes we cannot there are friends or family members uh, associates uh, even some of my clients I'm limited in what I'm able to do uh, for a variety of complex reasons but I, I I don't I can't think of anything more rewarding than helping someone feel less fear to feel safer uh, more secure uh, to be enough to consider that if you look at the beauty of nature, for example, Christine, nobody could find an ugly flower
0: <laughs> right
1: <laughs> or a misshapen tree i mean the 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 craziest trees the ones that are sort of asymmetrical or maybe burned up one side those are the ones the photographers are looking for right that's where beauty is found in the unusual and animals and even insects, which some people may find a little creepy sometimes. They're all beautiful. They're remarkably beautiful. And we understand how the ecology works, the inner reliance of these critters and and the plants and uh, the elements. And so why would we separate ourselves from that? And say yeah, but I'm not good enough. I'm not beautiful. I don't really have anything to offer and That root fear addressing that and finding the answers to that is what caused me to Write the book after years of radio and never even thinking about writing a book. I decided it's time to write Fearless Intelligence
0: Well and and it's at a time when the world really really needs it Um, not only just from people going through their own their own uh, fears through relationships through family dogma religion socioeconomic issues that that people deal with but one reason why I wanted to have you on uh, especially today and we we talked about fear is as as you know unless you're living in a cave <laughs> uh there's this there's this thing that's going on where people are uh extremely fearful governments are fearful this um this virus and i tend to think that it's um what is that it's what's the word it, it, it's it's indicative of our culture in general it's interesting because it's a, it's a physical virus, right? But there's also a mental virus that humanity has um, brought out, born, you know, spawned. But right now with the coronavirus, people are in extreme amount of fear. There's panicking. People are in Australia. You can't find a roll of toilet paper. I don't know exactly what that's all about, but people are stocking up on water and hand sanitizer and, and all of that. And I understand that we need to take precautions. Trust me, I have my vitamin C and, and my black elderberry spray and all those things. But this fear that is tangible that we can actually even feel, well, let's talk about that. Cause I think that's really important for, for people to understand what's going on emotionally and psychically as well?
1: Well, I think the most important concept to understand right here at the top, I mean the headline, uh, anytime we address fear by any name, anxiety is fear, stress is fear. Everything from just the tiniest amount of worry or doubt uh, nervousness, mild apprehension, uh, men in particular will deny fear and say, well, I'm not afraid. I do have my concerns, however. Well, concern is just a little bit of fear, right? Correct.
0: All,
1: all the way out to panic attacks and horror and total freakout, uh, depression, dismay, desolation uh, all of that plus a number of disorders are related to stress anxiety and fear like obsessive compulsive ocd uh, most attention deficit disorder add uh, post-traumatic stress disorder uh, panic attacks i've already mentioned general anxiety disorder social anxiety disorder uh, all of these are just names of fear. So, it's important not to think of fear only as something big and overwhelming, but to be aware that even the tiniest little bit of nervousness falls into the same category It needs to be understood in the same way. Having said that, here's the headline, here's that most important point. Christine, fear has nothing to do with danger. All fear is fear of the unknown. Mm. Fear is how it feels not to know and understand things, whether dangerous or not. How often has someone said to you perhaps, uh, Christine, what what are you so worried about? Why are you stressing on this? And you think for a minute and look at them and say, "I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what I'm so worried about. I guess that's why I'm afraid. Exactly, that's the point, that's what fear is. And even if the danger is clear and present, coronavirus, or you come around the corner and there's a rabid dog in the alley, you know, drooling with its ears back in an attack mode, that's real danger, but your fear is much more directly a function of what you don't know about what may happen, correct? Than the danger itself. So, what's the antidote? Huh? You see, the antidote to not understanding is to understand. The antidote to not knowing is to know, and then understanding goes beyond knowledge. Um, there's a great Einstein quote, any fool can know things. The secret is to understand them. Oh,
0: I love Einstein too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so he understood that there's lots of things we know that we do not understand. So we're still afraid. You may mm. say, well, I, I, I know coronavirus is a risk and I know I should wash my hands and not touch my face. and." And I know this and that, and I'm very well informed, Yeah, but what do you understand? And so that makes a question, no one understand what?" And that's two areas: the situation, but at the core of our fear is ourselves. to know the self. And that's pretty much that's pretty much the entry point to any discussion of fear, anxiety and stress,
0: I think. And to, to know ourselves, so this is something that's not taught in school, right? We're we're taught to learn things outside of ourselves, uh, reading, re- math, uh, well, reading, writing, and arithmetic, mm-hmm. and that's gonna get us through life. But but there's there's I'd say little to no uh, education on knowing who we are, knowing how grand we are, how amazing. Like you were talking about the the you know animals and in insects and how phenomenal it is when you really think about it you know the other day um i don't think it was a mosquito it's the other one that looks like a mosquito but you know it it looks like a mosquito so you get like a little ah it's a mosquito it got into my house and i was just looking at it for like a full couple like three minutes or something i was just watching it and i was amazed at the structure of this little creature I was amazed at its legs and when you take a moment to actually say you know like to break it down and say how amazing is it that this creature is able to, to fly and do all of these things the beauty of it is really a ima- mat is, is just like it's huge but as human beings who are so um, who have this beautiful potential when we're children we're not taught about ourselves. We're not taught to appreciate who we are, how magnificent we are. Um, So of course we doubt ourselves and our ability to survive, you know, a bad relationship, a breakup, a divorce, uh, the flu. You know, we doubt ourselves at every turn. And this is something that I love about the work that you do, that there is an intelligence too within us we just need to be able to tap into that, kind of get through all the all the muck and all that stuff that's, that's taking our attention away from it. Yeah,
1: indeed the muck, the, the monkey mind, the, the monkey. doubting Thomas in your head, the, the voice that's always criticizing you and tearing you down. That's the ego self and it's a false self. It's the part of us that identifies with the separated being. Hmm and there is a spiritual separation anxiety that we all suffer from as a result of in terms of energy or spirit or breath we're part of one thing it's a universe one thing spinning around that's what the word means and yet here we find ourselves in these separate bodies in a world of separated forms everything is separated and so that's the appearance of things and then we spend our whole lives trying to connect trying to find love and understand what is that and when it happens how is it that that feels so right so fulfilling so glorious and whoops it slipped away where did it go what happened how do i get that back that connection in a world where I feel so alone, so separate, and so alienated. What we're talking about now is awareness, which is also not taught in school. Uh, Not only were we taught only mental intelligence and no emotional intelligence. As you said, mental intelligence is objective. It's for knowing everything out in the world. Everything but us. We're incomparable, so comparing ourselves to others is irrelevant. We're not taught emotional intelligence, which is subjective, it's the way we understand ourselves. We're not what we think of ourselves, we are what we care about, we are what we love. The emotions are closer to who we are as beings than our thoughts. We need both, obviously, and we need to learn to balance and integrate both. But beyond our thoughts and beyond our emotional feelings and beyond our behavior and our perception of the world around us is awareness or consciousness. And we can think, and yet when you studied that mosquito, you became more aware of the mosquito and your perception of it. Mm-hmm. And if you did have anxiety, oh my god, they carry all these horrible diseases, the more <laughs> the more you study the mosquito, I'm sure the less afraid you became. Yes. Okay. And so we have thoughts, but we can be more aware. Of our thoughts. We can expand that awareness. We can be more aware of how we feel and the significance and meaning of feelings, especially when we consider that they're not really done to us so much as they're our personal responses to the stimulus. Correct. Take some ownership of those feelings. Our behavior, we can be more aware of substituting deliberate and purposeful behavior even tempered, well-reasoned responses for reflexive reactions. If we focus on becoming more aware of our thoughts, of our feelings, of our behavior, and then to be more aware of the world around us, to empathize with other people, this is what love is. It's awareness, it's divinity, It's, it's the ultimate antidote to fear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yes it is yeah
0: and the separation that uh that you that you talk about st- i mean since since time began that separation has you know created wars and racism and sexism and all of those things us separating ourselves and and i don't i don't know if it's if it's the fear or if it's tapping into something again that that uh, that feeling of being separate uh, that 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 human humanity has dealt with for for so long and it's still dealing with obviously we can look around and see that but that idea of the other the you know um you can just you see it in the way that people you know uh talk talk about other cultures Um, you know with the coronavirus right now there's there's a a huge uptick in in violence against Asian people
1: yeah I heard somebody ask uh, one of these radio doctors the other day can I get the coronavirus from eating Chinese food Uh, it's crazy it's not even rational You know, this burden of becoming more aware, better said perhaps the opportunity to expand our awareness and develop higher consciousness, really only comes about as we become civilized. Because the fear of the other comes not only from the appearance of separation, but from the survival instincts at the base of the brain.
0: Ah! Right. <laughs> yes.
1: There is. Push somebody. Line.
0: Push somebody in front of that train before it hits you. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: right. Well, you know, uh, my wife tells a fascinating story. <laughs> I didn't know until she told me that uh, when the Titanic sank a hundred years ago, uh, there were many people that gave their lives that others might survive but there were also men that dressed up in women's clothing to get in the boats wow and so you know uh, if there's a crisis like i grew up in michigan and in the winter where you have a very bad snowstorm you meet your neighbors the people you never knew spring summer and fall uh, you get together because you're shoveling each other's driveway and pushing the cars out of the snow banks and Everybody comes out to help people are Ultimately good You know lie detectors wouldn't work if Lying didn't stress us out. That's what they measure. So the body gets stressed and disease dis-ease is promoted by living a life Of lies and deception and falsehood and being out of our integrity. We're basically good, but we have a shadow side, as Jung said. We're capable of doing horrible things, particularly when we're frightened, and when this part of the brain called the amygdala gets triggered. The amygdala is a little cluster of neurons at the base of the brain the limbic brain, it's really the reptilian brain, dinosaurs had an amygdala. (laughs) We share that with dinosaurs and lizards and frogs and not just mammals, primates, but very primitive forms of life and it's the fight or flight response. So, the brain does not have the ability to distinguish imagination from reality so when we get confused remember i said fear is what we don't understand not danger so when we get confused the imagination runs wild with these what if scenarios Mm, yeah which the limbic brain says this must be really happening because i can't distinguish nerve impulses whether they're from my imagination or Physical senses. It's all the same to me. I'm in the middle of the brain, you know, or at the base of the brain. So I'm going to react as if it's real. And then it creates a vicious cycle or a loop where you start feeling afraid. And that promotes the feeling. We get confused. Ignorant promotes fear. Fear makes us more ignorant. Ignorance makes us more afraid. And then, glub, 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 we just.
0: We go down toilet. that that bathtub uh, drain yeah. you go in that spiral down and then yeah. we create more things to be fearful about because we lash exactly. out at people right
1: it's exactly and right
0: it just it's a self-fulfilling prophecy
1: that's exact i have a graphic in my book fearless intelligence that shows the vicious cycle of fear feeding ignorance feeding fear feeding ignorance but here's the good news i also have right next to it a graphic of peace and love promoting understanding, which promotes more peace and love and more understanding and more love and more understanding, which is an upward spiral that lifts us, yes, yeah. right, and elevates us to that expanded consciousness or higher awareness, makes us smarter, fearless intelligence. We have an elevated perspective, you know, if you want to get the lay of the land you got to climb the hill and look around you can you can you know broader horizons you can see farther and so it is with awareness we can do that in our worldly affairs understanding the best way to respond to the coronavirus or the flu or poverty or i had call yesterday from a guy that has two jobs, and he's losing them both this week.
0: He's
1: terrified. Of course. He's a man in his early 60s, and uh, all his responsibilities, and yada yada, we all know that feeling. Millions and millions of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. You lose a paycheck, you start freaking out. What's the danger there well i I don't know I mean we could say well ulti- ultimately the the real danger in all of this is that we die or we end up homeless, or again, the imagination can spin all of these incredible stories, and yet the imagination can also be used to help us understand a better way of looking at things that bigger picture and recognize that life is about 10% what's done to us and about 90% how we look at it and respond. And so it's easy to criticize people like us who are optimistic and emphasize the importance of positive thinking and being goal oriented and holding yourself open to miraculous opportunities and circumstances. We're very vulnerable in terms of being mocked and made fun of. But uh, I remember interviewing Timothy Leary once, many, many years ago on the radio, and I said, at the end of about a 10-minute segment, I said, so Timothy, you're, you're an optimist then?" And he looked at me like I was from Mars. And he said, well, of course, what choice do I have? <laughs> <laughs> and I always remembered that. It's like, uh, are you going to be Debbie Downer? Or are you going to, I mean, we need to be realistic, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yes. Be realistic about the world. Because again, knowledge and understanding is the antidote to fear. So we have to face our fear. This is not blue sky, deny it, ignore it, repress it you face it embrace it it's a shadow it's a nightmare move into it you are the light that illumines the shadows of fear and ignorance and just move directly at it through it and so in psychology there's a saying the only way out is through
0: well and even just relating it to the the current situation with coronavirus and the physical body and and all of that. I spoke recently to a very enlightened physician. Uh, He practices Western medicine, but he blends it with Eastern philosophy. And he said that the, uh, the amount of fear that we, uh, allow ourselves to absorb through what we read, what we watch, what we listen to and what we believe, he said that that the hyping up and the fear also has a a definite impact on our physical health and it lowers our immune system Mm -hmm. whereas at this time instead of encouraging people to stock up on masks and hand sanitizer and all those things if you were to tell people to tap into those things that make them uh, that make them feel wonderful that make them feel strong and and if it's just spending time with your family and telling them that you love them there's yes there's certain precautions and things that you can do but the added fear and worry and of the unknown of what could happen in the future right it's not happening right now but what could happen in the future that bombardment has a physical impact on us and it actually lowers our immune system which I thought was so wonderful for a a physician to be um, talking about and and understands that even with his patients, yes, they, if there's a physical uh, manifestation of their dis-ease, a lot of times it can be from unresolved trauma, unresolved issues uh, from childhood, the way that they look at the world and that they, they his patients actually have a role themselves and responsibility in getting themselves better, which I think is, huge
1: it is no question about it our response to the coronavirus and life in general i mean coronavirus is a symptom of being alive i mean there's still the flu there's all kinds of things that can happen to any one of us the gun violence in this country the, the thousands tens of thousands of people that die in car accidents every day Um, there's no shortage of things to be frightened of and stressed by if you let it get out of control, but living requires balance Mm -hmm. and it's never been more important as the earth gets more populated, as we face existential issues like global warming or climate change pandemics uh, shortages of really high quality food there's a lot of food but is it real is it real food correct so it's never been more important to meditate to do your yoga your tai chi to exercise to eat good whole food, to get plenty of sleep, to tell the people you love that you love them every day, just because they already know you love them, doesn't mean you shouldn't tell them every day. Play with children, pet your pets, uh, go out of your way to laugh, find things to laugh about, These are all stress reducers. Get outside, barefoot in the grass. Walk in the woods. Get to where the air is clean. Even if it's a city park, that's the best you can do. Sit on a park bench, contemplate a flower. Uh, People say, I don't have time to do this. No, you're choosing.
0: You choose, yes.
1: How much time do you
0: spend on social media? How many hours are wasted on social media when you could be outside, right?
1: Totally, totally. And your children, especially children, need to. Yes. all, All these allergies, these peanut allergies and other nut allergies, they were never around before because kids, I believe, and some of my research indicates this is true, I say research as a journalist, not as a medical professional or anything, but we used to get out in the dirt as kids and we would climb trees and we would expose ourselves to uh, this world of microbes, this all these bugs that would develop and build our immune system. And you didn't want your child to eat dirt, but if they did, you did not <laughs> You didn't freak out, you understood that we're made of dirt. And so it is with the food we choose. Wouldn't it make sense to eat food that is the most like the food our ancestors ate for the last three million years? Yes. Maybe, maybe we don't, a grain is only 100,000 years old. Maybe we don't need all that bread and cereal. And, uh, You know, protein sources are a challenge, but look what's available increasingly with the meat substitutes. And so besides concern about animal farming and cruelty to animals and the impact on the environment that uh, factory farms have, there's also your own health. You know, you do need protein Perhaps even there's a place for some meat in your diet, but it doesn't have to be two thirds of your dinner plate.
0: Well, I think too, as as uh, as people, because we're so dis- we're disconnected, right? We're disconnected from ourselves. We look outside of ourselves for the the vaccine of life. We, we look outside of ourselves. Um, when I find the perfect person or when I have, when someone loves me, then I'll feel better. When, uh, someone else can get me, um, a job, you know, we we look outside of ourselves for satisfaction, right? When you actually are able to quiet that mind down and really listen to your body, it tells you what it, 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 it tells you what it wants. But more importantly too, we're telling our body, this has been proven too uh, in, in so many respects and the great work of Dr. Bruce Lipton is that our cells, our body is listening for the direction of where we want to take it. So if you are, and I have, uh, I have a, a family member, I won't say who it is, but I have a family member who everything is, everything is fear. Everything is fear. I, I can't, I can't eat that. I can't touch that. Um, what if this happens? I've got a, you know, the, all the different alarms and things like that. And I want us, I want us, I wanted to say that that fear is more damaging to their health than just, just breathing and listening and knowing that they're in a safe space. And I know that's really hard for people, but at the same time, that fear is creating, stuff going on in the body that we probably don't want either
1: Uh, there is a paradoxical uh, psychology around fear helping us be careful Uh, some kind of false uh, uh, axiom that we tell ourselves that In order to be safe, I need to constantly feel afraid because the fear will protect protect me.
0: Right, right.
1: And if I allow (coughs) myself to feel safe, this is one of the biggest blocks to becoming a meditator.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: If I drop this physical muscular tension and allow myself to feel vulnerable Mm -hmm. and open, and safe i'll be putting myself in great danger so the best way to be safe is to be afraid because it's way too dangerous to feel safe <laughs> and of course that's insane on the surface but people live their entire lives believing that and never explore it never examine it as you say it's not taught in school there's a whole new branch of psychology now called safety psychology, psychological safety. And it's just another approach to stress management. And uh, of course the implications go further to you're meant to be here. You, you are part of a big jigsaw puzzle and you are not only valuable, but essential. You are needed. Mm. You know, those, one thousand piece jigsaw puzzles your grandmother may have put together on rainy yeah. days. Well, if even one piece was missing, you'd throw that whole puzzle out. What good is it if one piece is missing? And so it is with us. Or an orchestra, is another analogy, has said, no, we don't need the violins. We'll just do it without the violins. Every, every one of us is unique. We have fingerprint evidence and DNA proof that we're unique individuals, we're incomparable. Now, the fact that we're also connected and part of one thing in a non-dual universe may be a little paradoxical. How can we all be one and yet unique?
0: that's where people well, <laughs> get tripped up
1: <laughs> deal with it
0: <laughs> well, that's where people get tripped up and I uh, personally I think I had that a bit of separation i was still very I was a very positive young person but uh, when I had a near-death experience is when I realized well first of all time is a is an illusion and uh, during that moment I at the moment where, and I was actually given a choice. I was like, well, this is how it's going to unfold. You can die. Um, or you can live. But when I was given that choice, I was connected to everything. And I felt it. I felt being connected to the, the plants, the trees, the water, the birds, the bugs, the air, the whole planet, everybody, everything. For that moment, I was connected, and what I felt, heard, uh, felt, or or heard was, this is who you are, and it was the most beautiful feeling I have ever, ever, ever had, ever. So I wasn't afraid to die so i was okay with it at that time too i was like if this is what it's like to die holy heck yeah i'm all in because it was it was gorgeous it was absolutely gorgeous and then of course this this situation it showed me what what the ramifications of my death were because it's like okay well there's always a reaction and there's a chain reaction too of you not being here and it showed me that and i was like oh no at the time my mother would have; it just would have broken her heart. And I said, "No, I can't do that." <laughs> Damn it. But it was meantime. the most beautiful. It was; it was the most beautiful feeling in the world. And after that experience, what I found is that my fear of death—not that I'm—I don't—I don't go racing 150 miles an hour, and I don't drink and you know shoot up and do all those crazy things. But my the fear of death that that we have as that lizard brain that's like that flight or flight that was gone because i saw how beautiful it was i'm wondering do you, had, have you ever had like a near-death experience or spoke to someone who who has
1: yeah um i was riding my motorcycle <laughs> on the uh, the five freeway up by lake estate north of los angeles and uh, the rear wheel locked up it was a shaft drive motorcycle and at 80 miles an hour, I went into a skid Ooh. and the front wheel went left, right, left. And suddenly I was rocket man, flying through the air. I mean, literally aware that you're flying through the air.
0: <laughs> you're gonna land, it's not gonna be good. <laughs> That's right. And a
1: voice in my head said, A silent voice whispered, you've bought the farm. Isn't that odd?
0: You bought the farm?
1: Bought the farm.
0: Oh, Jesus. It's
1: like an old saying about being dead and buried in the ground. I don't know where it came from, the deep recesses of my memory. And so I accepted death, in other words. Because I knew if the fall didn't kill me, the trucks would. There's three lanes of trucks up there, all highballing down that hill. The soul pulled me out. I have no memory of hitting, skidding, rolling. According to the truck drivers, jumping up and running off the freeway. Wow. Unconscious bodies don't jump up and run. So I must have been conscious, but I have no memory of it. My awareness was gone. It's just a black hole. Now, I'm a hypnotherapist. I could pull that out, but why would I want to? You know, so the first thing I remember is stepping across the line that separates the right-handmost lane from the shoulder of the road, thinking, my God. I made it, I'm still alive. And, uh, yeah, I got pretty beat up. Nothing broken, just a lot of road rash and bruise. And Apparently I stayed with the bike quite a while, so I may have only been going 40 or 50 when I hit the pavement. And it was cold. I had heavy gloves, big army jacket, helmet, of course. Cracked the helmet. And, uh, the next day, I did a meditation, and I said, "This has to have happened for a reason. What's the reason?" And in the silence in my head, I heard a voice say, "Life is a gift." Mm. And that, that's all it said. Well, I thought about it for a couple of more days and thought, "That's not. There's got to be more than that." So I. <laughs> I did another meditation, and I said, uh, thanks for the info, I got it, life is a gift, but is that really all that you had to tell me? Did I shut down my meditation too soon? What am I supposed to do with that? And after, you know, a few minutes of silence, I heard the voice say, give it away.
0: Mm.
1: And that's what we're here to do. To realize that this feeling of being separate and alienated is an illusion. That all separation is an illusion. That what love ultimately is, is not some emotion or warm fuzzy feeling. But the awareness that there's just one of us here. There's one thing at work. And so the reason it feels so good to help other people and make our lives about service is that we're helping ourselves. (laughs) There there are no other people, there's just a bunch of parts. It's like your hand, you know, you've got these five fingers. I hope they don't feel all lonely and separate out here because they're part of one hand connected to one arm. And I've got two of them, but they're part of one body. And I have a relationship with Christine Blasdale, which is part of my life, which has meaning and purpose and, and adventure and warmth and and uh, fulfilling. It fulfills me in in different ways. And so it is with our other friends and our family. And what is the nature of friendship? What is the nature of that affinity that? Attracts like-minded people to each other. That's all love. You know, it's not romantic love. We have our romances, right? Correct. And it's not familial love. We love our parents even though They upset us. We love our children even though they disappoint us. Uh, We love our pets even if they misbehave. Uh, There is a higher love. There's a capital L love and it's awareness, and it's understanding, and it's the antidote to fear. Breathe, relax, grok it. Remember, anybody remember the word grok from the 60s? No. Uh, (laughs) It's in Stranger in a Strange Land. Uh, Michael Valentine Smith is a human raised on the planet Mars. he talks about rocking as the most complete level of understanding uh, and empathy and feeling that wholeness that you described. And what a wonderful thing when we're with someone we love and they don't even have to finish their sentence. We know yeah. what they're feeling. It goes beyond the the words they use we should strive for that and develop that cultivate that and celebrate that because that lifts us above all of our fear separation confusion unawareness hate to use the word ignorance because it's not a lack of capacity to know it's just a lack of experience and
0: and it's reflective when you when you're really i think when you're really in touch with yourself your 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 emotion your uh your emotional intelligence you can see when that division when that divisiveness um plays out right now even politically you'll you'll hear one political you know one person who is a particular political persuasion speak Negatively about someone else. So the the reds are against the blues. The blues are against the reds and it's like this um, It can be I think a very addicting for people to lash out at another and belittle them or, or whatever because it maybe it gives them a sense of of uh, of control or, or a sense of being right which is I just want to say that to everybody don't worry about being right because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter in relationships in politics it doesn't matter we don't need to win cuz trying to win you're going to lose
1: <laughs> you know uh, understanding is always superior to being right but you're talking about defense mechanisms uh Anger and hatred, animosity is all uh, fear. Uh, When people hate another person or they're angry at another person, they're afraid. Uh, Anger is the king of negative emotions. That's the easiest place to begin. If, what do we do when we're angry? We tend to yell. Why are you yelling? You want them to back off. You know, we'll tell people when we're angry, get out of here. Or we'll walk out and close the door. We're just not aware, there's that word again, that that's a defense mechanism, that we're afraid. The brain is saying you're in danger.
0: Right, right.
1: And you need to run. Or intimidate the opposition and get them to run and yet we have such so much more in common than then we do disagreement so if you just yeah. yeah if you meet somebody over a political argument you may hate them for the rest of your life because of their primitive and ignorant politics but if you just met them in a social situation and uh, shared a drink and a couple of jokes and some stories about their families and out comes the phone with the pictures of the kids and the pets and you never knew their politics, you could develop a wonderful relationship. And I think that's what we need to keep in mind as we recover from the dark ages that we're in now. And It's, this is the backlash. This is the, mm, that's not the word I want. This is one of the mm, positive benefits of this dark period of tribalism that we're going through now, is it's forcing people Mm. to find ways to be more kind, more loving, more gentle, um, to be of service, and increasingly, you see i mean even even animal videos on youtube uh, are there's thousands of these videos of animals getting along with each other I know. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> you know a monkey saving a duck for, from drowning or whatever uh it just goes on and on that's what we all want and if we have to go through this dark period of uh, of indecent cruelty to uh, rise above it to develop our ability to lead with kindness that needs to be taught nobody ever taught me to be kind
0: that definitely needs to be that definitely needs to be taught yeah. my mother modeled
1: kindness but she never taught it to me per se she never sat me down and explained this is more than a nice thing to do this is a virtue this is in your interest this is the meaning of religion that thing I want you to do on Sunday where you spend 45 minutes on your knees and I was raised Catholic and I found it to be a very abusive uh, way to raise a child saying you're responsible for the death of this lovely enlightened being on the cross
0: Looks and you were born in sin. Sin. You were born yeah, sin you were born in sin such a
1: bad little boy i'd go to confession i'd have to make
0: stuff up
1: because i didn't do anything more. <laughs> i just thought well i'll say a few prayers do my penance and get out of here but i had to make up bad behavior and lie to the priest about what a bad otherwise i had nothing to say i was, I was a good little boy And it was only in my adulthood that I, you know, a year and a half of therapy it took me to realize one day I didn't do anything wrong. I really was a good kid. But to be taught kindness, to teach your children to be kind and, and I know parents want to protect their kids and tell them to be aware of strangers and all of that. But again, we need to find the balance there. and again these are all ways of addressing fear that's what we're talking about today love is awareness that and it's a level of understanding that is the antidote to fear which is simply not understanding it's that simple
0: correct you know when i went, i i had uh, gone to a religious school when i was younger and i always I thought it was interesting because there, there, the God that, that, that they were promoting was a very fearful. I mean, you you needed to be afraid of God. He was a vengeful God who's going to, you know, gay people were going to go to hell. And if you danced in the hallway, you're going to hell. It's the devil's work. And, and, but even through all of that, I always thought that it would be, it would seem to be prudent to be more Christ-like instead of just saying, I'm a Christian, right?
1: There, there, is a, there is a book that few people know about anymore, but for hundreds of years was one of the central books of Catholicism and later uh, the Protestant Reformation called The Imitation of Christ, written by a medieval monk named Thomas a Kempis. The problem with the book was that it was just too austere. And people want their stuff. They don't want to wear sackcloth robes and be barefoot and dig in the garden and meditate and pray eight hours a day. They want to jump in the convertible and go off to the beach. And
0: you want to take a pill,
1: rock and roll, and, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's just too difficult. Uh, the majority of Christians never even consider that Christ owned nothing, yeah. not it would not wear shoes, would not ride a horse. They got him up on a donkey once because he was dead tired and that was a the reason there was a reason that he he uh, lived this life of uh of Voluntary simplicity and, and poverty and he explained it a few times, you know, don't Story your riches in heaven and not on earth, where moth and rust doth not corrode. All this material stuff is going away. All this stuff, I gotta have it, I gotta have it. And then you get it and it's not all that. It's all impermanent. Buddhist philosophy is very clear about the impermanence of all things. Even your thoughts are impermanent. Even your fears are impermanent. Emotional love is impermanent. But love is awareness, spiritual love, is the only thing that's eternal and infinite. Mm -hmm. That awareness that you realize during your near-death experience, that's eternal and infinite. That love, love is awareness. No, Ram Das talked a lot about loving awareness. And uh, you have to really listen to many gurus before you get a sense of what they're talking about. They'll talk about being mindful and in the moment and not judging your thoughts and being the awareness of your thinking and not the thinking and detachment. And it's not an easy thing to talk about love as awareness but we have to if we're going to be more loving and wake up be more aware be hip to the trick and that gets sucked into the mere appearance of things where everything is separate you know and you're always getting and reaching out and grabbing And, and we even have a painting on the Sistine Chapel of God being separate, an old <laughs> white guy reaching out from some other place, like he's abandoned us. And the Creator is outside its creation. And the only way to access the Creator is through the church, mm. right? Which has put itself in the position of the soul. It's It's put us between Uh, Our individuality, our awareness, and our source. Uh, There's a great old Greek saying, uh, I forget which ancient Greek philosopher said it, but he said, if horses had gods, they would look like horses.
0: (laughs) Right? Right? Right. That's idolatry. Our God Visual. looks like, our God looks like a buff Santa.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> old white guy. And, and Jesus too, you know. White Jesus? What are the chances of white Jesus with blue eyes? And yet, this is all idolatry. We're talking about a universal presence and awareness, a vibrance, a vitality, an essence. That feels like love that is loving and kind and gentle and peaceful and is the antidote to fear. So fear is like this fear and all the difficulty that we have in life is just a way of prodding us to figure this stuff out.
0: I like that. I like that approach, Michael Benner. I yeah, do. It really I is. like that. Not to fear the fear at all either.
1: No, in fact, the old alchemists, uh, the, the one of the stages of enlightenment in ancient mysticism is purgation and purgation leads to illumination and purgation is the alchemical understanding that if you have a rock with gold in it gold ore you have to put it in an athenor and turn up the heat mm-hmm. the fires of adversity burn off the dross or the impurities until only the gold remains and so these mystics said, well, that must be why we suffer so much in life. That the adversity, the difficulty, you know, that people you love die. There's sickness and aging and death. And everything we love, we lose, living or not living. That car, that, you know, that 57 Chevy, eventually, There's not enough J.C. Whitney parts to keep that thing on the road. Sooner or later it's going into the trash heap. Every building, every skyscraper eventually will be raised to the ground. Nothing lasts that's material. And so again, put the emphasis on what matters, being loving kindness and and uh, helping people be unafraid, she, see that's the, the great thing about climbing mountains as you get better at climbing mountains, you can be the mountain climbing leader you, you become the mountain guide, so as you transcend your fear and become fearless you you're, you have the ability to help other people be less afraid. you and can take their fear
0: and that's what that's what you do so well, and that's what um i'm hoping this podcast does well well. i hope so
1: too thank you i i don't know how well i do it but i I, I don't feel that i have a choice anymore it's just it just comes out of you (laughs) i'm the baby boomer generation i'm in my early 70s i was born right after the war i was right there in the 60s revolution you know, I ate the LSD. I, I turned on, tuned in, and dropped out, and became a journalist looking for the truth. And when I realized quite soon that news was not the truth I was looking for, I turned to the scientists and the philosophers. And quantum physics and mysticism has truth in it. Quantum physics and mysticism both define a non-dual universe uh, uh, a, a, a universe that is unified that is whole and complete and where the appearance of diversity and separation is real enough in a relative sense and necessary for the whole to be strong and purposeful we see it in ecology the strength of a of an ecosystem comes from a diversity of species and a diversity of individuals within a given species
0: oh that's a great analogy actually yeah. that's a that is a perfect analogy you can't have one without the other it's, right that exactly.
1: interreliance and yeah. interdependence yeah. is where unity comes from See? so there's a great trinity, diversity, harmony, unity. Right. And they're not contradictions. They're all part of one truth. Unity and diversity are both, they're not opposites. Well, they're polarities. Right. Like the North Pole doesn't fight the South Pole. They're, throughout the magnetic <laughs> field, they're blended. They're a little <laughs> of both. So it is with gender. That's why we're, Figuring out the fluidity of gender now, because we thought they were opposites. They're not opposite at all everybody's like 60 40 90 10 you
0: We know? all we all have we actually can tap into our masculine our divine masculine energy and our divine feminine energy And yep. they both are equally needed and required to Absolutely. Get through This yeah. school called life Michael Benner. I could go on and on and on and I I want to have you back on if that's okay I'd love to have you back on the show why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers how they can get in touch with you obviously they can get the book uh, fearless intelligence and the full title is fearless intelligence the extraordinary wisdom of awareness I'll have a link in the show notes for that but is there any other way that they can get in touch with you
1: well there is a website (laughs) There is a website at fearlessintelligence.com where they can see a blurb and a bio and uh, get a better understanding of it. You know, if you go to Amazon and look up the book, there's that look inside feature on Amazon.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So you can read the first 10 or 15 pages. Um, And then my primary website is Michael Benner. As you might expect and By going there, it's like a gateway to a bunch of other stuff my podcast The Ageless Wisdom Mystery School Um, There's a big button right in the middle big red button with fireworks exploding on it uh, That will allow people to access my online calendar and I continue to offer a free intake session private one on one by phone or Skype or Zoom or whatever. And, um, and it helps people find out what I might be able to do for them in confidential counseling or gives me an opportunity to explain what I think is going on for them. And then there's no obligation to book, but um, I enjoy doing that as well. And again, that's no charge, it's all pro bono happy to do it love people i love meeting people people are so far out you know if only they knew it (laughs) yes they are (laughs) if only they knew it you know know. incredibly beautiful and fantastic you really are every one of us already has everything that we need and not only do we have the love we're looking for we are the
0: love we are the love yeah we're looking for I love you, Michael Banner. I love you too. Thank you so very much. We'll make sure we have the links to all of that uh, in the show notes. And just thank you. Uh, thank you again. I know it's been a long time coming, but it was the perfect time. As as it happens, At, right? Yes. It's always happens.: Be healthy,
1: everyone. Be healthy. Yes. Wash your hands.
0: Wash your mind <laughs> as well.
1: Eat eat real food.
0: Yes. Thank Sleep. you again. So very much. And uh, I want to thank you. Wonderful listeners for tuning in. Uh, stay tuned for another episode and make sure that you share the show. If you enjoyed it, if you got something out of it, if you think someone else can really benefit from it, share it. It's so easy to share on YouTube uh, in an email or, or a instant message. Super easy. So please do that. Like and share and subscribe to the channel. If you like as well, you can find out more about this podcast at out of the box with And if you want to find out more about me, it's christineblasdale.com. Thanks so much. And as always remember to think outside of that damn box. Bye for now.